Hey, Prime members, you can listen to En La Sala ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. ¿Qué pasa, mi gente? It's your girl, Becky G. Welcome to En La Sala. If you were here for last week's episode, welcome back. Today, I have two very special guests joining me on the podcast to talk about all things political. Senator Kamala Harris and America Ferreira. I talked to these two women about the power of voting and the strength in our immigrant communities and the very real potential and opportunity our community has to single-handedly change the outcome of this election. I just think that that's bullshit. Don't interact with our community in these transactional, meaningless ways that are just about soliciting their vote. Yeah, yeah, we know our votes count, but what about our lives? Like, do our lives count? Do our dreams count? Do our, does our ability to be safe in this country count? Does our ability to, you know, access health care count? Why are these powerful people trying to make it confusing for us to vote, difficult for us to vote, making us distrust the system? It's because they're worried that when we vote, things change. So don't That's let right. anybody take your power. One of the reasons my partner, Diana Dotel, and I wanted to create this podcast at the beginning of quarantine was honestly to build a platform to talk about our community and about politics. I know it's a very sensitive topic that has caused, you know, some rift in, in some of our families and some of our friendships and to be honest, in our entire community, in our entire country. But it's a topic that we feel is so important to discuss right now and also to continue, you know, for forever, really. This election has the potential to shift not only legislation and laws that protect everything from the earth to our health care, to human rights, our education system, but a new administration that can also reflect and mean a new wave of hope and respect and equality within communities themselves, communities like our own, to feel recognized and feel considered. And if you follow me on Instagram, you know. You know that, especially in this year, you know, I've always known the importance of my voice, but especially this year, there's been a huge shift in my life and in my platform overall. And I've been very vocal about putting the work in to research the candidates and the measures that they are going to take for our communities. And, and we are voting on November 3rd, but also before November 3rd. You know, one of the things we're going to get into later is that... <laughs> The election doesn't just start on November 3rd. It ends on November 3rd. So while I'm sure that, you know, what side I'm, I, I know, I know what side I'm voting for. But I think it's important that, you know, we discuss these things. And instead of, you know, discouraging or making anybody feel like their, you know, opinion doesn't matter or it's so, you know, invalid. Instead, I want to empower you guys, you know, with the right resources and the right inspiration to know that your vote matters. And although you feel maybe sometimes that there's a candidate 
candidate who supports, you know, things that maybe aren't in your best interest or also things that maybe are right up your alley and things that you're passionate about. It's important that we're involved in these conversations to make sure that who is in representation of our country is a reflection of the ones who live in this country. I want to say that while there is no such thing as a perfect candidate, there is indeed such thing as finding a candidate who believes in treating people in our country with respect and finding leadership who will advocate for our communities and specifically minority communities. And I know it's intimidating. I know it's sometimes very daunting. It's a huge responsibility, but I encourage you guys. I believe in you guys more than anything that you guys really have the power to make the difference in this election. So make sure you do your part. My grandparents, when they pursued their citizenship and they decided we are going to become citizens of the United States of America and we are going to show up to exercise our right to vote, even this time around, it's just as important to them now as it was then. We have to remember that there are so many before us that have fought, cried, bled for our right to vote as women, as people of color. There is so much writing on this. Our democracy is writing on this. Our overall ultimate goal with this episode is to try to help you guys in making your voting experience a lot easier and not making it so intimidating, but giving you more information on the power of your vote and where to find accurate information about the candidates that are running. And I have a couple of very special and very big guests coming by the sala today. So I hope you guys are ready for the conversation. Take a seat because we are about to spill the cafecito. Okay, well, I have to do a proper intro every day. Oh my God, the fangirl in me is freaking out. I have the one, the only Miss America Forever here in La Sala. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me, Becky. I, I love being here with you and you're such an inspiration and I I love you and your spirit and everything you're putting out in the world. And um, thank you for, for being uh, such an inspiration um, and for using your platform to to, you know, talk about the things that you care about and the things that matter. First of all, I just want to ask you how you are doing because yeah. we're all in la cuarentena, obviously. And yeah. it's been, you know, we've had our good moments, our bad moments over here. So I'd love to know how you're how you're keeping up with the, the cuarentena. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I think that this is an incredibly challenging year. It's been an incredibly challenging couple of years mm-hmm. and 2020 uh, kind of went into turbo <laughs> turbo mode. I think that those of us who are fortunate enough to not be truly struggling to survive in this time, 2020 has been an opportunity to reassess, to pause and to prioritize. Like what, what is life? I mean, I, you know, I feel like I don't know anybody who hasn't been asking themselves, like, what am I doing? You know, what's important? What matters? What am I doing with my time? What am I doing with my life? Like, is this where I want to be? Is this where I should be? You know, uh, why am I doing this? You know, all of the questions that are so important to ask all the time. Um, But we've been, we have this opportunity in this year and there is so much to show up for. And there is so much that is worth our time and our energy And at the moment, 
I mean, I could burst out into tears thinking about it, but it's like, everything is on the line. I mean, in this moment, we have, we have so much to fight for and we have so much to show up for. And our community, Latinos are bearing the brunt of this COVID pandemic. Never mind the rates at which our community is getting infected and dying. But, um, you know, we're 18% of the population, but we're 34% of essential workers. Like, let that sink in. (laughs) We're 18% holding up 34% of the most essential services in this country, picking food, keeping food on, on people's tables in, you know, getting, getting people fed and, and, and nursing and uh, teaching and the contributions we make in this country are so vast and so essential. And, and we deserve a voice and we deserve representation and we deserve decency and an and opportunity and just the right to live uh, yeah. without, you know, terrible lies and awful attacks being, you know, lodged at us every day. Um, so, so we have a lot of work to do and we have a lot of showing up to do for our community. Um, and I'm thankful to you for, um, for, for doing that, for showing up in this moment. Thank you. Well, the truth is, is it, it really does come from inspiration from individuals like yourself, because I feel like being, you know, a a young Latina myself, like, as far as, you know, representation, and we, and we all know how crucial that is, right? To really see ourselves and, and everything that, that we experience, you know, not just the, the industry or, or in entertainment, but beyond, right? In politics, seeing activists that look, that look like us and are speaking to things that, that really reflect what we're experiencing as a society and specifically to our communities. And, and that inspiration for me comes from brave women like yourself who say, hey, we have a say in these things, you know? Then I look at what you've created with with She Se Puede alongside other incredible women. And I just like, I want to ask you like, what inspired She Se Puede? And why why is it so important to you? Yeah, well, thank you for everything you just said. That's so sweet. Um, So a really wonderful group of of Latina women from all kinds of backgrounds. It was me and Eva from obviously the entertainment industry and um, women from organizing and activist backgrounds and business backgrounds and research backgrounds, all Latinas came together to say, to say to each other, what are we doing to take responsibility for Latinas engaging in this election and in elections for generations to come? Because the truth is, is that, you know, what really annoys me is that year after year after year, Two months before any election, my phone starts ringing off the hook and it's this candidate and this campaign and this voting election. And it's like two months before an election, you're begging me to come out and turn out the Latino vote. And I just think that that's bullshit. Don't interact with our community in these transactional, meaningless ways that are just about soliciting their vote. Yeah. Yeah. We know our votes count, but what about our lives? Like, do our lives count? Do our dreams count? Do our, does our ability to be safe in this country count? Does our ability to, you know, access healthcare count? Like all the things about our life are not addressed in a more authentic way where people, Mm -hmm. where candidates and and politicians and politics in general um, are, 
are thoughtful enough to engage with the Latino community the way they engage with every other community, the way that they think about other communities as a threat to their power. And, mm-hmm. and, and here's what one of our founders, Christy Hobbaker, said that always stays with me. No one's afraid of us. We may be the fastest growing minority in this country. The numbers may be skyrocketing, but no one's afraid of us. They can cage our children. They can deport our family members by the droves. They can call us whatever they want to call us. And they're not afraid of us. They don't treat communities that way when they're afraid of those communities showing up and holding them accountable. Mm -hmm. And until we show up, no one is going to be afraid of us, no matter how many of us there are. So it is essential that our communities show up in the moments where showing up makes all of the difference, like in elections, which happen every single year. Every Um, single year. We have a lot of work to do. And there are so many people on the ground who have been doing it. So many organizations committed to registering Latino voters, getting Latino voters out. But one of the gaps that I see and that this cohort of Latinas who founded She Se Puede see is a culture gap. Our sense of confidence, our sense of power. The truth is that Latinas, like take the men out of it, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Latinas alone can be the deciders in this election in every single state that matters for the outcome of this election. Florida, Arizona, North Carolina, Michigan, Wisconsin. Latinas have the numbers to show up and be the deciders of what happens in this election. So if we showed up, we are the difference mm-hmm. between this way or that way. And so one of our founders, her name is Stephanie Valencia. She's a badass Latina who, who worked in the Obama administration and then worked for Google and then left to, to, to start her own research lab called Equis Lab to specifically research and poll the Latino electorate. So Stephanie did the badass thing of starting her own research lab and understanding what are the real barriers to getting Latinas out. And one of the main gaps is a confidence gap. Yep. Latinas don't see their power reflected back at them. The truth is, is that we are powerful. I just so powerful. You, I just gave you the the you know the facts. We yeah. have power in just our numbers to be the difference. That is real power, but that's mm-hmm. not a message that Latinas receive on a daily basis. No. You are the deciders of what happens in this country, that you have the power, that if you show up, here's how things will change for you and your family and your community and your children. These, we're not telling the story of our power. And so She Se Puede was inspired by that desire to, to tell a new story about the power that we've always had. And just like you say, you know, we're the CEOs of our households. Yeah. We're the ones who, who make the, the, the money decisions and make the education decisions and make the healthcare decisions and make the food decisions. And so, you know, so much of what happens in a household falls on the shoulders of Latinas and, and, and Latinas within a community. And so it's so important for the health and well, long-term health and well-being and, and real power, power building in our community that Latinas see themselves, they see the power that they have, that they believe it, that, and that they, and that they act 
from that power. Yeah, and that they mean something beyond just the kitchen, beyond just the home, beyond just the husband, beyond just the kids. Don't get me wrong. You know, my my mom is my best friend and she takes so much pride in being an ama de casa. But for her, this confidence, this empowerment, to know that, that that power that they have within the home can transcend beyond our four walls. That's not something we're told very often. And it comes one from our culture, right? The machismo of constantly, like I said, you belong in the kitchen, you belong folding clothes, you belong this. And then on top of that, you come to the United States of America. And in general, we are told that our communities are uneducated, that they're not worthy of the opportunities. And there's all kinds of systemic obstacles that we have to overcome just to catch up barely in the race that so many others have had, you know, I guess a head start in. And I feel like when it comes to politics, when it comes to voting in particular, they make it so hard. They make it so intimidating. They make the language something where even myself, someone, I like to consider myself a pretty educated person. You know, I, I like to think I'm kind of smart. And I remember my first time voting and showing up and being like, wait, so if I vote yes, is that me saying no? Or if I vote no, that's me saying yes. Or the other way around, like the language of this is so, it's confusing. And it's like I said, it, it it's intimidating. And in a sense, I feel like it's exactly what you said. You know, they don't want us to show up. They don't want us to recognize our own power because they know is if we did, that would be detrimental. That would be so impactful and so powerful that we would be a force to be reckoned with. It is intentionally complicated because there are so many people who don't want you to exercise your right to vote. If it didn't matter, there wouldn't be so much energy put into stopping us from using our vote. So it does matter. You need to understand that it matters, that we show up and to know that there are resources and ways to get the information and that it is hard and it's harder for, for, for some more than others, but it's worth it. Because Mm -hmm. everything is on the line. Everything is on the line. Think about your day-to-day life and everything is on the line for you, for for your parents, for your grandparents, for your children, for your future children, for education, for healthcare, for uh, the right to do what you want with your body, the right to love and marry who you want to love and marry, the right to vote in a democracy is on the line Mm -hmm. this year and in this election. The the right to even live in a semblance of a democracy is on the line. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And now is not the time to get overwhelmed and throw up your hands and say, well, it doesn't matter. Right. It matters. It matters that you're registered. It matters that you vote. And it matters that every single one of us between now and November 3rd is using our voice and our platform every single day because the election is not on November 3rd. The election is now. Now. The election is over on November 3rd. That's that right. Is when it is over. We are so much more than what people tell us, you know, and it's it's knowing that. It's really being secure in that and understanding that even when they say we are not we are, you know, and that we're not alone, that we are united, that we can come together. You know, I think one of the coolest things was um, me fangirling because you and Ava were were messaging me on the Zoom call for, for Angel City. And I was like, this is really happening. Like, yeah, we should uh, we're, you. you and I are yeah. of the first women's professional women's soccer team in Los Angeles. In our city. How crazy is that? I mean, I mean. 
we were products of public school in Los Angeles, and we get to be co-owners of a majority female-owned first women's soccer team in LA. I mean, that's the and this is how it this is how change happens. You know, the the goals of Angel City to bring up a women's soccer team to elevate the sport, to celebrate the sport, to celebrate these phenomenal female athletes, and then to treat them and pay them the way they deserve to be treated is that's the point, right? That's the point. And not just on the field when they're providing entertainment, but saying, hey, we even care for you after, you know, your years of playing on the pitch. We, we even care about the city that we're coming into to give back to the community, you know? So there's so many things about Angel City that I'm so proud to be a part of. And my fellow Latinas, a part of Angel City is, is, is one of those reasons as well. So I'm happy to celebrate you. I'm happy to celebrate our Latina women and our Latinx community community overall. And there's a lot to come of this time. I, I really do. My faith just tells me, you know, we're going to come out so much greater on the other side. I don't know what lies ahead of us, but we got to be ready. We got to be, you know, united and and be there for each other, you know, show up. I agree. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for being such an incredible inspiration to so many like myself. All my gente in la sala, Miss America forever. Yes. I can't wait to be together <laughs> at an Angel yes. soccer game. And be close I cannot wait. Yeah, that would be great. Definitely. All right, Mama. Well, you have a good one. Stay safe out there and all my best to your family. You Take care. Bye. Bye. Up next, Senator. Harris, our potential future vice president. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using rocket money, I would have said yes. But let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Can you see me? Yes, I can. Hi. Hello. How are you? I am so good. I got to do my introduction. Me, gente. 
Joining me today is the Democratic vice presidential candidate for this year. How are you, Senator Harris? Oh, it's good to be with you, Becky G. It's good to be with you. I am well, one day at a time. One day at a time. That is right. I must say, it is an honor to have you here in La Sala. You are a true inspiration to so many women, especially black and brown women. You teach us that there are no limits to who we can become. So thank you for that. You inspire me. So we're all doing that for each other. And I thank you. It's great to be on La Sala. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for your words. I just want to jump into your world really quick. I want to know, how early did you wake up this morning? Oh, this morning, I think I got up at like 6.30. 6.30. I was up I was up around the same time. So we're on, we're on the same hustle. I appreciate the hustle. But I, but I went to sleep very late. So that was... <laughs> That's rough. Yeah. That's, oh, it's well, it's I'm, I'm sending you all the good vibras, all the good vibes. Yeah, and, and speaking yeah. of time and waking up early, I know I don't have much time with you. So I would love to just get right into yeah, it if it. that's okay with you. Of course. All right. I had so many things that I wanted to speak with you about. And one of the first ones being, we keep it very honest here in La Sala. And a lot of my generation and my audience gets informed, of course, via social media, right? And sadly, one of my first introductions to you was after your announcement for VP and seeing some backlash for, you know, some who were a little critical of your record as a prosecutor. And I know how frustrating it can be with social media and not being given the opportunity to explain your truth, you know, and I'd love to know why you you got involved in criminal justice or like in since the beginning and also what your words would be to those people who were critical. Yeah, I appreciate you bringing it up. So look, I there is not a black man I know, be he a relative or a friend, who has not been the subject of some form of racial profiling, excessive force, or unreasonable stop. Not one. That's the community I was raised in. The community I was raised in is my parents were active in the civil rights movement, marching and shouting for justice. And so it is those experiences that led me to say, why not when we need to reform these systems, not only be on the outside, but also go on the inside? And so I had a serious talk with my family and I said, you know what, I'm going to go on the inside and see what I can do from there. And so by being in charge when I was elected, the first woman of color ever to be a DA in the state of California of 40 million people, I created one of the first in the nation initiatives for young men and women who were arrested for drug sales, getting them jobs and counseling and parental support. So many were parents. And I would dismiss the charges against them. It ended up becoming a model for the rest of the country. If I hadn't been on the inside and in charge, I couldn't have done it. I didn't need to ask anybody permission to do it. I just did it. And the vast majority of the people who were helped were predominantly, to your point, black and brown. I created the first requirement of any state law enforcement agency that the law enforcement agents had to wear body cameras and keep them on full time. I was able to do that without asking somebody permission because I was on the inside in charge. But I'm going to tell you also, Becky, I also, for a large part of my career, specialized in child sexual assault cases. And yes, I prosecuted those cases. I believe that in those cases, there needs to be serious consequence. Yes, I prosecuted rape cases. Yes, I prosecuted homicide cases. I can't tell you how many black and brown mothers came to me and said, why isn't the system taken seriously that my son was killed? I am a grieving mother. Why are they treating my son like a statistic? 
These are the things I did because I was on the inside. And going forward, I know what's wrong with the system and will be in a unique position with the life's work that I've done to reform the system to do what Joe and I intend to do, including ending chokeholds and carotid holes. George Floyd would be alive today if that were the case, saying that we need to have consequence and accountability when police officers break the law. And that includes having a national registry of law enforcement officers who break the law so that we can track them so they don't go to a new police department and get a job there because their record doesn't follow them. Mm. I'm saying that we need to uh, decriminalize marijuana and expunge the records of people who have been convicted of of marijuana. I am in favor, as is Joe, of ending the federal death penalty, which disproportionately is applied to black and brown men, saying that we need to reform this system to shut down the private prisons, which, by the way, you're talking about people making money off the incarceration of other human beings. And I also am in charge of shutting down also the private detention centers, which most recently we've been hearing about these women in Georgia who are who basically being forced to give up parts of their body and their livelihood. Mm-hmm. You know, and so these are the things that you can do when you're inside the system. And, and I appreciate you raising the subject. I really do. Senator Harris, I can't appreciate enough your transparency and your commitment to change in this area and for sharing your truth so honestly and with such transparency, because these are things that, as you can imagine, especially in this time, we are so affected by and and on a daily basis, you know, going back to social media, we see this stuff happening every single day in real time. And your words mean so much to me. And it also leads me to my next question, which is voting, right? Which is so important. And I want to ask you, how do we demystify the voting process? Because I feel that You know, people who are not familiar with it, I don't want them to feel intimidated by it. I know my first time voting, I was I was hella intimidated. And whether it's because of time or format or literacy, I'd love to know from you how we can make it an easier experience for people to vote and understand the importance of voting. I'm really glad you raised this point. So first of all, not only are People perhaps, you know, who have not voted before might wonder, like, what's involved. But here's the other thing. Donald Trump is right now president of the United States. And he came into office on a campaign that was about sowing hate and division. He came into office on a campaign that was about saying Mexicans are rapists and criminals. He came into office and then put in place systems that I've been fighting against the entire time I've been in the Senate that have been about putting babies in cages and separating children from their parents at the border. People who are fleeing murder capitals of the world, turning America's back on them. And he's doing this and then ending America's promise to our dreamers in terms of ending DACA, right? And I say all this because, as we know, so many of our families are blended families, meaning within one household, there are going to be people who are documented and people who are not documented. And there's, a, I believe, a purposeful fear campaign that they're waging because they don't want black and brown people to vote because when we vote, things change. And so part of it is I I, want to just remind people that there is so much power in your vote and your voice is your vote. Your vote is your voice. You know, sit back and wonder why are these 
powerful people trying to make it confusing for us to vote, difficult for us to vote, so, making us distrust the system. It's because they're worried that when we vote, things change. So don't That's let right. anybody take your power. Don't let anybody take your power. And let's make sure we vote early, mm -hmm. right? Because you and I are from California. You can vote early in California. You can vote by mail in California. In many places, you can vote early. You can vote by mail. Do it early. Vote early. And know what's at stake, you know, including we're in the middle of a pandemic. Latinos are three times as likely to contract COVID, twice mm -hmm. as likely to die from it. We have right. high rates of, of pre-existing conditions, right? Things like high blood pressure, diabetes. Well, you know, Donald Trump's in court right now trying to get rid of the Affordable Care Act. That's uh, one of the points I was going to bring up. It's it, crazy. It's, 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 it's crazy, girl. It is crazy. <laughs> and and I, I love that you're talking about this unity and this alliance that we should have within our communities, right? Because they call us minorities. But I would say when we come to the get together, we are the majority. And, and you're touching on so many topics. And one of the things that I wanted to bring up is the fact that I myself am very passionate about immigration. You know, I am Mexican-American. And speaking to COVID, you know, our Latinx community is disproportionately impacted by COVID and the high percentage of essential workers that are immigrants. And with the pandemic, it's not ending anytime soon with the way it's being treated. And it's daunting. And I know your parents are immigrants. And I would love for you to just share if there's anything from their story or lessons that they, they shared with you that inspire you to create more protection for immigrants and, and what that plan looks like. You know, my mother was 19 when she came to the United States by herself. This five foot tall brown woman with an accent, <laughs> right? And, um, you know, I saw how my mother was treated. I'm the eldest. I saw things. And we all, you know, as much as our parents protect us, we also want to protect our parents. And I vowed to myself that I would never be in a situation where anyone like my mother would be powerless. And when I think about what's at stake right now in terms of, in particular, how Donald Trump has been trying to divide our country, trying to turn people against each other, trying to suggest that immigrants are, should not be here. It's, it's hateful and it's harmful. And when elected, if everybody votes on day one, part of it is that Joe and I are committed to creating a pathway to citizenship, reinstating DACA, shutting down those private detention centers, right? These are the things that need to happen. It's about giving and understanding all people's dignity and worth. And maybe it's in a unique experience that some of us have when our parents weren't born here to understand the importance of giving everybody dignity. Mm -hmm. You know, I say, regardless of the language your grandmother speaks, right? Everyone yep. deserves dignity. And I feel so strongly about that. I feel so strongly about that. And that's one of the things that motivates me to fight. And I can't tell you how much that means to a community like the one that I come from, because these are struggles that we also we carry on our backs and, and we don't carry them lightly. You know, they carry a lot of weight. But at the same time, it's why we work so hard. It's what fuels us every single day. And, you know, with everything happening in the world, but especially in our country and coming up to this election, one of the last things I want to ask you, the last thing that I want to ask you is, do you have a message for young women and people in general who are 
I mean, in despair and are so close to giving up because there, there's so much we're experiencing with exactly what you said, Trump trying to make the Affordable Health Care Act illegal, right? A global pandemic that is being completely disregarded. Black and brown communities that are fighting for their lives to matter. And then one of the biggest losses we have experience, which is losing RBG, may she rest in peace. We have someone like Amy Barrett, who's a potential Supreme Court judge. So I, I'm sure you can imagine you're on the same boat, right? Our, our hope is running very low. And I would just love for you to share some words of inspiration for the ones who are fighting to keep moving forward and, and to be inspired and, and being able to trust you guys because we want to so badly and we want a brighter future, you know? So let's start with this. My mother used to say many things. And one of them, she'd say, Kamala, you may be the first to do many things. Make sure you're not the last. But she would also say to me and my sister, Maya, she would say, don't you ever let anybody tell you who you are. You tell them who you are. You tell them who you are. And so here's what I have to say to all of our sisters and brothers. We are strong. We are smart. Do not ever let the circumstances or anyone make you feel alone. You are not alone. We are not alone. We are all in this together. So let's not let the circumstances or anyone take our power from us. Part of our power comes from our passion because we know the difference between what's right and what's wrong. And we know what it means and the importance of fighting for all people's dignity. So that's what's at stake. That's what's at stake right now. And I know we will persevere. Thank you. Thank you for those words and for sharing your heart with us. And, and like I said, that transparency with, with our communities goes so far, that trust. And I know you, you emphasize so much on trust and, and I've seen, you know, your presence and you really trying to connect and, and it goes so far and it means so much to someone like myself, so much to, you know, my family, even my grandparents, you know, they're anxious, they're nervous, they got their citizenship and they love the idea of exercising their right to vote. So best believe we are going to show up and we are going to do our part. And the fun thing that I want to end this note on, taking it back to social media <laughs> because again there's there's all kinds of things that go around and I I, I have to have your back on something just okay. a little bit because I saw I saw you got some some backlash for saying Tupac's your favorite rapper or something like that Tupac is my favorite rapper Thank of you. all time <laughs> yes so I just would love before before you leave us to share what your favorite lyric is from the one and only Tupac you know one of my favorite of all time songs is Dear Mama when he's saying about his mother. It mm. literally about how, you know, she was struggling, but she was always taking care of her babies and her babies loved her. I, that's one of my, it always, it's a very emotional touching it is and so that's my my mom is my best friend yeah so i i can agree with you on that california love obviously we're cat girls gotta gotta (laughs) show some cali love too but what i loved about tupac because you're on this podcast that's what we're all about is is the music and how music transcends and i think it's so amazing that someone like tupac also he he was all about that poetic justice right was and 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 sharing that history story right yeah through through his music so Mm -hmm. i'm happy 
happy you were able to share that with us. Thank you so much for your time and your You're energy welcome. and your passion. It means so much to us here in La Sala. And I hope to, you know, see you very, very soon. Yes. Sending you all the best, Thank all the buena vibras, as we would say, yes, the yes. good vibes. Yes. And uh, good luck at the debates tomorrow. Giving you all the buena vibras, for sure. Muy amable. Thank you. <laughs> good to see you. Same here, mama. <laughs> Wow, what an incredible way to wrap up this episode with our guests. Guys, I don't know about you, but I'm just feeling so motivated and so inspired by the fact that, can we just acknowledge that we had a political conversation, a voting-focused conversation with women? I mean... That is so powerful. And like America said, us Latina women alone have the power to really put in where this election is going to end, where this race is going to end. I think that that for me is something that I am taking away from this conversation for sure. As we do in every episode in La Sala, we dedicate episodes to specific grassroots organizations every week. And this week, it is so important to me to give back to resources for our communities to know and be educated on what today's topic was. We are going to be dedicating this episode to LCF, Latino Community Foundation, which exists to unleash the power of us Latinos here in California to fulfill our mission by building a movement of civically engaged philanthropic leaders, investing in Latino-led organizations and increasing political participation of Latinos all across California. And I speak so much to community, right? Because when we think about the whole world, it's a lot, but guys, it's really simple. It starts in your home. It starts on your streets. It starts in your city. Okay, so that's why I decided to donate to Latino Community Foundation, because I think what they're doing is it's what we need in these times, a safe space to know where we can ask whatever questions, where we can bring whatever ideas to engage our citizens, to be engaged citizens. Also, for more information on voting and help overall, you guys can go to IWillVote.com or to Voy a Votar para Ayuda en Español. So thank you to the Latino Community Foundation and also a huge thank you to my guest, Senator Harris, America Ferreira, for joining me in today's conversation. I can't thank you guys enough. And also thank you to my audience, my fans who are tuning in to En La Sala to be a part of these conversations with me that, to be honest, are very long overdue that we should continue uh, beyond just this episode on the podcast. So it means a lot to me to have, you know, this platform via Amazon Music to talk about things bigger than just music because these are uh, affecting our communities directly. Y ya tú sabes, mi gente, that we are going to be here every single week aquí en la sala. Make sure to like and subscribe to Amazon Music for full episodes. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to En La Sala ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts.
Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com survey.